Thanks for tuning in. Uh, This is the second part of our podcast, YouTube Gets a Union. Uh, If you haven't listened to the first part, go back and do so. Otherwise, this episode might not make a ton of sense. Olga Kay was a circus performer and a really incredible juggler. But touring with the circus and the life it brought just never felt like like enough. And in the mid-2000s, in a bid to make it into the big time, she turned to YouTube and started the long journey curating a successful channel. Within a couple of years, it had totally taken over her life. She was working 12-hour days, constantly documenting and posting online all aspects of her life. She lost friends, retreated from her social life and just was working constantly. But it worked. She now runs a successful business with a huge personal brand and internet following. She no longer posts on YouTube, but many of her videos have been viewed millions of times. Yet the price she paid was huge. She experienced burnout just at the time when her career was reaching its peak. She'd worked for years to achieve this, but when it came, she was totally unable to enjoy it with these fantastic opportunities that simply felt like burdens there's almost a genre of youtube channels which talk about mental health people sharing their experiences and struggles with mental health and creating a community of people able to share support and guidance with others who have had similar experiences but in the last few years a number of videos have come about looking specifically at the impacts of being a YouTuber on your mental health and the stress and strains associated with trying to make a living from content creation. In these videos, people talk about the prevalence of anxiety from basing your success on viewing figures, the comparison you constantly subject yourself to and the constant pressure to produce more and more content so that YouTube's recommendation algorithms suggest your videos, as well as the constant fear that any success you've achieved could fall down at any time, leaving you without an income. If you're making your living from YouTube, there's no financial safety net, no contract, no sick pay, no holiday pay. It's a fierce popularity contest in which an individual's earning is largely determined by a set of black box systems, recommendation algorithms, demonetization systems, which you as a worker don't get any insight into. They are determined solely by YouTube, without consultation, even though they hugely influence the working experiences of content creators on the platform. At the same time, the amount of content uploaded to YouTube is astronomical, equivalent to 400 hours of new content every single minute. For every successful content creator, there is apparently a whole army just waiting in the wings to take over should they miss a step, stumble, or fall down. A seemingly endless pool of labour in a labour market without geographic barriers. Understandably, the pressure that this can take on YouTubers is huge. I'm Robbie Warren and in this episode we return to hear the conclusion of Jorg Sprav's story. In part one of this two-part episode, we heard his story of getting into YouTube with the Slingshot channel, where he makes homemade weapons and launchers. 
how he left his well-paying job to go full-time on the platform, and how his income collapsed following the implementation of a series of policies by YouTube in a period that would be known as the Adpocalypse. We return to his story, looking at what steps you all took to combat these changes. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, and I want to kind of talk a bit about this kind of period where, so in 2017, the ad happened um, and you saw a huge decrease in in revenue from your YouTube channel. And what did you do about that? Well, first of all, I, I, first of course, I talked to my fellow YouTubers. I've met a lot of people in the you know, in the years ever since I started, and talked to them, and we shared experiences and so on. And then I decided there is time to do something against it. I was one of the really few YouTubers that did not totally depend on YouTube, since you know I, I had my wife with a stable income. Uh, I also had personal savings, um, so that I was not completely depending on them. So I said, someone has to do something about it. But all of the others have been afraid that YouTube would then completely delete their channels and completely destroy them, which they could have done. You know, it was of course possible. So I said, if someone has to do it, someone has to take take uh, take take up the fight, and I did. I uh, uploaded a video and I said, enough is enough. Now we need to form a union. We need to start fighting uh, YouTube and we start to put our demands up there and then uh, change things for the better so that we can again make a living on YouTube. I am calling all YouTubers to arms. No matter if you are a channel with 10 million subscribers or if you're just the guy who watches a video every now and then, I need you to stand by my side in this very important campaign. Our goal is to save YouTube as we know it. And therefore, I herewith officially initiate the YouTube Creators Union. And, um, and that video was actually a great success and a lot of people thought the same. and A lot of fans too, because see, the, the, the followers of a channel, they don't like if someone, something bad happens to their channel, to the channel that they, they like to watch. So we got an enormous amount of support and within a very short time, uh, it was really a movement. And why do you feel like a why do you feel like a union is important for YouTubers? Well, first of all, we have to talk about what is a union, right? Because a lot of people would think of a union as one of the conventional, very very classic trade unions, where you know you would go on strike and having signs and you know waving with them in the air, and and then also everybody pays a lot of money. Yeah, as for the membership, but then also you would get some money if you go on strike, you know, these things. Okay, so here we reach an important caveat. The YouTubers union is not actually a trade union. It's a Facebook group. A big one, no doubt, with 27,000 members. There's no membership fee, no legal recognition, no management committee. YouTubers are a global workforce spread across numerous countries with a multitude of different legal frameworks, whereas traditional trade unions are based within a particular nation-state. The YouTubers Union seeks to avoid questions of how you represent people within a planetary labour market by simply not attempting to. The union is really not actually a union at all, but an internet movement. 
if you if you look at content creation, you know, something that is just existing on the web itself and not as a physical DVD or whatever, right? Then there is no border. There is no really. It doesn't matter from what country you upload your video, but since uh, conventional trade unions are very typically national organizations, they don't apply really. So a, a convention, conventional trade union, it can still work with this, but not the conventional fashion that they used to do before, where they would only let in people from a certain country and cannot take on other members. And of course, they can form like head organizations that are international, but they cannot really represent all of the people on the planet doing this. So a conventional trade union would not work for this. Plus also you have to see that YouTubers are not employees and don't want to be employees. You know, they want to be independent. For them, the creative uh, creativeness would otherwise be limited if they would be working for an employer. So, so it's still, they depend on one, just one huge organization regarding their income. So it is absolutely, they are probably even more vulnerable than a normal employee is, but they need a representation that is set up completely different than a, a conventional trade union. When I said I started, to, I, I started the YouTubers union, that was more meant like as a union as we are united and we together want need to need to fight against YouTube. It wasn't really meant that we were starting in the, in the next trade union uh, in the classical conventional way. And why do you think, to add to that, I guess, why do you think that YouTubers being united is important? And why do you think that that kind of campaigning group was needed and is needed? Well, you see, a single YouTuber isn't worth anything. You know, it's completely replaceable. Uh, the platform will not care, even if it's one of the major YouTubers. When YouTube kicks one of these channels out, others will take the place immediately. And so for them, it is absolutely not a problem to do that. They are not afraid of any individual YouTuber, even the biggest one. If they do something wrong, then they kick them out and forget about it. But only if, if YouTubers unite, then they can actually get the interest of the media. They can actually mobilize enough fan support and then things can change. And then YouTube would start to see this as serious. Um, it's just very comparable to the very early history of trade unions uh, in the in the early Industrial Revolution, where it was pretty much the same thing. An individual factory worker had no power. Uh, you know, if he complained about his job, then uh, the factory owner would simply tell him, well, then go and, and do something else or start your own factory, maybe if you want to. So, uh, but here it's a take it or leave it thing. You know, you, you work for me or you don't. So, um, so it's very much the same situation for at, at YouTube when it all began, where individual creators have been completely helpless and at the mercy of YouTube. So when you first set out with the YouTubers Union, um, what were your aims? What were your principal aims and what did you want to achieve? Way back then, media attention. You know, of course, in the very early stages of a union, you we have nothing to really fight on. You know, what do you do? I mean, you still don't have the support of anyone. You've, when you start, the first thing that you have to get is the support of the media. So only the media can then actually have an impact on YouTube itself. 
Um, and um, that actually worked. We got a ton of support by the media, like all the major magazines, print magazines, but also the, the big online formats started to report it. And um, actually that was very important. And it was, I think it was also the key that, you know, that finally YouTube was then talking to us after they denied access to us for, uh, for several months. But the pressure from the media was getting so big that they actually had no alternative. And um, in terms of the, the experiences of YouTubers and their kind of issues that they faced, what were you trying to, how were you trying to improve the working lives of YouTubers? Well, in the beginning, our demands were very drastic and a lot of them were completely unrealistic. <laughs> so, but we knew this, but if you go into a negotiation, you always have to come up with really strong demands since you will have to compromise eventually. So if you go in with a compromise, you get an even worse compromise. So, so we, gave, we went in saying no more censorship, uh, access to uh, the YPP program for everyone, right? Uh, we wanted uh, the rules to be super transparent. We even wanted like a say in decisions like this so that we could actually participate in the decisions about these things. So we, we had a lot of really strong demands basically aiming at uh, a system where the YouTubers would be at the table, you know, would have a seat at the table where the decisions are made. And, and, and that, of course, was pretty strong, but also a lot of people love these strong, strong demands. Um, and obviously the YouTubers Union is kind of a community of workers based around the world, but you've also worked to form a formalized trade union um, in Germany and I wondered if you could speak a little bit about that why did you feel like this was important and what did you aim to achieve through the creation of a formal uh, trade union yeah well you're absolutely right the youtubers union is more like a movement or a community it is true um, and as that it, it lacks any kind of organizational power this means you cannot sue you cannot do anything really. You don't have any money. You don't have, you, you, you can influence the public opinion, but that's about where it ends. So in fights like this, where you can't even go to court and sue uh, YouTube for an obvious wrongdoing, then it get, it's getting useless. So we actually needed a support from an organization. And um, it turned out that the uh, IG Metal that you know contacted me way back then when I was speaking at a at a uh, trade union conference. IG Metal is Germany's largest trade union and the largest industrial trade union in Europe. Um, they approached me and said, "Why don't we why don't we see if we can do something together?" And actually, they have what we did not have. They had the money. They had experience how to work with really big organizations. Uh, plus also um, they they had uh, the lawyers that we need for this since they have a lot of lawyers on their payroll, right? So they don't cost them anything else. And uh, specifically lawsuits are something that YouTube is really afraid uh, about since if, when they lose a lawsuit that may well be, even in a single country, that may force them to completely change their rules since they cannot really uh, you know, limit their policies to individual countries. So they have to have the same rules for every country. And if they are forced by law to keep the rules in one country, they would have to decide to either completely remove themselves from that country or change the law for, for everyone involved. 
So, uh, so that was what we really needed. We needed all these these things: the experience, the money, the lawyers. That's what we needed. And therefore, we formed this coalition uh, called FairTube between uh, the YouTubers Union and the IG Metal. Um, okay, great. Yeah, I think it, to start off, if you could just like introduce yourself, um, say your full name and um, your role at FairTube. Um, yeah, so my name is Maria Vialich and uh, I work at uh, Fairtube and uh, as well for uh, IG Metall. And uh, at Fairtube my role is um, I'm a third person uh, in the board and uh, also like I'm in charge of uh, uh, social media and community things. And uh, yes, and at IG Metal, I work uh, in a crowdsourcing project. So also what has to do with like traditional platform economy, so to say. Great. Um, I guess one interesting thing to do would be, could you just briefly describe for someone who's never heard of Fairtube, what Fairtube is and what it aims to do? Uh, yes. Uh, so at Fairtube, we're trying to organize uh, platform workers, especially like uh, YouTubers and content creators. Uh, yes, because we, uh, we see that there are many problems that have to be tackled and it's um, hard when someone stands alone. So we want to bring creators together and uh, also provide support and services for them. If we could start off maybe talking about YouTube itself um, and what are some of the kind of key issues that YouTubers face um, in the line of their work? Yeah, I think the biggest issue is uh, like lack of transparency. Uh, you know that there, there are a lot of uh, kind of like different sets of rules. There are community guidelines. There's um, terms and of terms of service, and um, but still sometimes it's not clear uh, like what exactly is okay and what isn't. Like some creators get away with certain things, and uh, some don't, and uh, many creators uh, get unfairly demonetized or their content get deleted or even the channel gets deleted and um yeah like uh at fairtube we have like a um a service for our members uh basically we, we are trying to help them with their problems at youtube uh, we have a, a specialist that has a lot of like experience in communicating to youtube and uh, yeah basically if someone has a problem they can uh they can contact us and we'll help them and how does this kind of lack of transparency surrounding how YouTube operates, how does it affect YouTubers' ability to earn a wage and have some sort of financial security in their income? Um, yeah, so as I mentioned, the terms of service can change anytime. Um, then, um, yeah, also like the algorithm, of course, like it kind of forces you to do certain things like, let's say, you have to be there all the time. You have to post like, uh, I don't know, on average, like at least once a week. You can't just like take a vacation for a month because, I mean, you could, but then most likely you'll be lower in the algorithm. You'll be getting less views when you come back. So it's true, like obviously as a YouTuber, like you have more flexibility and you, you, you don't like your employer, so to say, it doesn't tell you, okay, when to do a certain task and where. But still, like, if you just, yeah, like, stop posting or, you know, yeah, just uh, take a private, uh, I don't know, like, sabbatical or something, like, you know, it's going to be bad for the algorithm. So through that, YouTube uh, exerts a lot of control. In what way 
do you think that kind of trade unions and other kind of collective organization bodies can can benefit content creators yeah so firstly of course like um we are stronger when we uh stand together like that might um yeah sound a bit cheesy but it is like that like um obviously like independent content creators uh don't have much power especially like before you reach let's say like 1 million subscribers or something like you don't have that much power and uh but if there are many of us like thousands tens of thousands then uh youtube will obviously like take us more seriously and maybe at some point when we get um uh, much bigger you know like maybe hopefully like youtube will uh be afraid to some extent i hope i mean for most people when they imagine trade unions and they imagine kind of like collective bargaining and trade union representation the immediate image that they think of is is factories is heavy industry uh and these are kind of often the kind of um spaces where trade unions are most active and where they have the highest representation what are the difficulties surrounding kind of organizing a group such as content creation creators yeah of course it's uh difficult to organize uh these people because uh yeah they're all like independent and we don't just like see them on the street or we can distinguish them we can't like go to a certain like factory and talk to them like all at the same time so yeah of course the uh, kind of the only way is uh social media and why do you feel like it's important that we do try and organize content creators why do you feel like it's a worthwhile endeavor um to try and organize this sector yeah because there have to be um yeah some kind of balance you know because youtube uh and um like other big platforms have so much power at this point that there has to be just like someone who yeah um helps people on another side you know the content creators um yeah because like rules get uh less transparent with the time you know in the beginning it was relatively easy to make it on youtube and now it's getting more and more difficult and now yeah like uh, you get ads on your videos even if you're uh, demonetized um or not monetized yet so um yeah it's just getting worse with the time and that's why like there has to be uh, some power to prevent it and often we it feels like we've had quite like a broad kind of societal level discussion surrounding the gig economy but we generally haven't included something like youtube within that same kind of discourse why do you think that is and do you think that youtube should be involved in those kind of broader narratives um yeah i think it's just like difficult for society to understand that uh youtube is uh like work for many people because um for like billions of people around the world is just entertainment platform and yeah then maybe they don't really see it as work because yeah when someone is delivering the food like obviously that the person is working but you know maybe like people just don't see how much work goes in the video it's not just like sitting in front of the camera putting a smiley face and then like talking for 20 minutes uh you know there's much more that goes into that you know like the whole editing and preparing for the video research and then of course all the things that you have to do on your own when you don't have an employer you know like your um doing your own taxes and um accounting and marketing and sales all of that um yeah so i think definitely uh youtubers should also be uh, included in that i mean of course it's difficult to um yeah provide like the same regulations for all the platform economy because it's so broad 
but um, yeah, just like uh, uh, governments should uh, take into account, you know, that there's also like this kind of industry, you know, of content creation, and it shouldn't be left out. So just a quick bit of context. Jorg is no longer involved with Fairtube or the YouTubers Union. Having stepped back from both, handing over admin control of the YouTubers Union Facebook page to Fairtube. Um, so kind of after the apocalypse in 2017 and the massive drop that a lot of YouTubers faced um, in their income, how is it? Uh, how have things in YouTube changed since then? Well, again, things have gotten different. A lot of channels disappeared because their content was no longer compatible with the YouTube's new business model. The remaining channels adapted, so they adapted their content so that it would be following the new guidelines better. Um, also, then the pandemic happened, and that brought a, a surge in ad income for most YouTubers that were still on the platform, simply because uh, the you know during the pandemic people bought everything online. This means that online services advertised more, and since they advertised more, they advertised online. Uh, the people had more time to spend at home uh, and therefore also YouTube got more views. So most of the creators I know have uh, again a higher income. My personal Google AdSense income also improved and it's now almost as good as it used to be before the apocalypse. Um, so there were certain changes that uh, worked in favor of the YouTubers that still survived. And uh, also, of course, also due to the very um, intensive cooperation between the YouTubers Union and Fairtube plus YouTube, the monetization guidelines are now far more extensive and far more clear, making it easier for YouTubers to meet these new standards. Therefore, um, now the situation is better than it used to be, but we are in a new world with much less creative space for YouTubers to, to do whatever they wanted to do. What do you think is the role that trade unions, kind of formalized trade unions and these kind of more internet-based movements can offer content creators um, in different areas, not just on YouTube? And what, what role do you think they hold and what potential do they have to um, improve the working lives of people making a living in this area? Well, I think trade unions need to, of course, look at a different setup for covering um, like YouTubers, but also other content creators, because um, they, you know, these people don't need the conventional trade union membership. What they need is a representation that uh, crosses borders, definitely. That also probably does not really give them like insurances and so on, but actually still represents their interests. So, um, so they need a partner who they can approach when they have an issue. Uh, that they can actually ask for advice and also for legal help. All these things, I think, need to be possible. Um, but I think like a, a formal membership and specifically an organizational forum that is limited to just one country is something that no longer works. The IG Metal actually solved this by taking Fairtube and converting it into um, a, uh, an association, like a registered association. Uh, so this is no longer a conventional union uh, because the association also can act internationally. Um, and um, therefore, I think this is like a more modern setup. So I think this is this is how it needs to be organized. Multilanguage, multinational um, and, and also uh, purely existing on the Internet, really. So 
I think this is this is uh, the future. And I can also see that other trade unions pursuing their kind of route. The conventional membership, I think, is uh, still important, but only for those um, people that work in, in more conventional things. Like, for example, if you are a, you know, a, for example, if you are delivering pizzas for some, some internet company, that is uh, something that a, a traditional trade union can simply cover. It's just one more field of employment. But for content creators that are only online, this is uh, no longer possible. And why do you think it's important that trade unions kind of engage within this space? Trade unions are actually, to this day, the only organizations that have what it takes. They have the connections, they have the money, they have the experience, they have the lawyers, they have the organizational structure to really do something. Um, Whereas um, if a, a YouTuber or anyone who works like as a creator on the internet is, is doing this from his own position and just on his own, to be completely powerless, has no voice. So, so you still a, a representation like a trade union is very much needed, but on, it has to be set up the right way. Thanks so much to Jörg for sharing his story. At Fair Work, we believe that all work can and should be characterised by fair pay, fair conditions, fair contracts, fair management and fair representation. Platforms ultimately have the power to improve standards and the ability to choose to. Many platforms operate in numerous countries around the world. Almost every country, every city and every worker is unique. Many of the experiences and issues experienced by workers are transnational. In addition, platforms often operate across multiple countries and the practices which they employ have huge impacts on the lives of workers around the world. Platforms can take a proactive approach to ensure that the work they provide is fair and decent. We're actively campaigning to improve the conditions for gig workers around the world and hold platforms to account. You can find out more at fair.work. This episode was written and produced by Robbie Waring. Our music was composed by Louis Bollet's with additional composition by Robbie Waring.